Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Come on, girls. Let's go shopping. That's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. What are you looking at? Don't look at a boy jumping me. You're mad, you bastard. Far round you, far round you. Swear to Christ, Liz, you get a bag of all sorts in here, mate. Welcome to Wook Wook. G'day and welcome to The Curb. I'm Andrew Pearce and this is the podcast that's all about culture, unity, reviews and banter. This show is recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and we pay respects to their elders both past, present and emerging. On this particular episode, it's the first of the series of Melbourne Documentary Film Festival episodes that will be coming up over the next few weeks, where I interview some of the filmmakers behind the films that are screening at this year's Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, uh, which is another great lineup, as it always has been. Uh, the There are great films always showing here, and this one in particular is quite possibly one of my favourite Australian films of the year. It's a documentary called Luby. It's screening on July 27th at 2 p.m. and I highly recommend heading along and going and catching the uh, the premiere of this film, the world premiere actually of this film at the Documentary Film Festival. It's brilliant. It's all about the artist Keith Luby and his life and the altercations that he's had with people along the way, the role of his work with politics, uh, his his interactions with politicians his interactions with art galleries it's fascinating there's a lot of energy in this film and there's a lot of history as well as you can hear in the documentary i'm just stunned at how much australian history is in this film i loved it i thought it was absolutely brilliant it is repeating myself here again but it is one of the best australian films of this year in this interview, I catch up with producers Sean Murphy and Marilyn Alt, as well as the co-director Ian Knight, and they talk about how the documentary came about and what the process of working alongside some of the volatile subjects was like. Have a listen to the trailer. Make sure to book your ticket for July 27th at 2pm over on the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival website, mdff.org.au forward slash films forward slash luby. How would I describe our friendship? I'd describe it in my word. Terminated. Libby's an anomaly. No question. Completely maverick individual in every way. He gained a lot of momentum as a working class kid from Bondi Beach. You could be on this little channel and you could be against the bourgeoisie. So what happens when you're mid-career? You submerge. It's drawn from under the river pebble, from under the log, from the termite mound. It feels like that to me. Keith is a better drawer 
than Whiteley. If you put a hundred prints together for a book or a travelling exhibition or something, he's never in them. That's about the sense that he's too much trouble. established that Keith was pursuing the art world, as many artists were. It's like the ultimate irony for them would be to win, so then they can just say, there, I did it, so up yours, you bastards. Tim's story opened the door, said, Ruby's gone abstract, and slammed the door and walked away. What had you done to Tim's story? Drew him. I drew him with his pants down, though. Who would you think would be the great Australian artist? And they said, Luby, that's who. I think he's due for a late flowering. And um, I just wish he hadn't burnt so many fucking bridges on the way. It's really fantastic movie. Uh, really, really greatly done. Um, so... I don't know where to start with this because it's a deep dive into a whole bunch of different things. Um, so I guess the, the best question is, how did Luby get started? Okay, it's Marilyn, Andrew. Um, Des, Des Murphy, the late Des Murphy was my husband, um, a retired ABC TV producer. And um, during a long career at the ABC, he had been a producer in the arts area. Um, he'd been friends with Keith Luby since the, the late 70s, when Luby was really, um, you know, pretty popular and doing well. And something that had puzzled Des, um, I guess, you know, in the last 10 years was why was Luby no longer appearing in art books about Australian painting? Because if you picked up books of the 70s, the 80s, you know, the sort of book that surveyed Australian art he was there and then it was like in the more recent years he was being you know airbrushed out of the history of 20th century art and so Des's idea was that he would make a film it was going to be a you know a retirement project to make a film a doco about Luby at that point I think I should pass over to Ian because he gets brought into the <laughs> story we, we, were, we were trying really hard to work out how, first of all, what was the story about um, Keith and also how to, how to best tell it. And there were lots of iterations of that before we, before we got to this. But one of the things about, um, one of the things about, about Keith is that he's actually, he's a, he's, he's a, the film was almost made in spite of him around him, through him, you know. Uh, so so getting him on board was important. And uh, uh, and and he's, and he's all sorts of things. Like, he's a terrible record keeper. He's got, he's got, all, he's done all these pictures and they're all over the place and we don't know who owns what and where they were. So, so it was a big, a big process to actually find, find the artworks, find out what they were called, find out who had the copyrights, who had the ownership of them and those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the things I did notice is that it's a bit of a curation in a way of, um, of his art and the history of Australian art in a lot of ways. And I, you know, as somebody who appreciates Australian art quite a bit, I'm, I'm really grateful that this particular documentary exists because, 
you know, this is like a huge catalogue of, of a pretty momentous part in Australian history. So, uh, you know, first of all, thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate it as somebody um, who enjoys Australian art. Um, but how important for you guys was it to have that kind of catalogue of his work as well? And as you're saying, he's a, he's not the best at keeping records. So how difficult was it tracking it all, all that down? I, I, first, it's Ian here again. The first thing I'd say is that one of the things that was really important for the film is for it to provide an opportunity for people to, to see his work and see, see the, the extent of his, his, his styles. And so... Um, we 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 made a couple of couple of choices. One of which is to is to make sure that when we saw a picture, that we gave the audience an opportunity to see it and see it properly. Um, you were going to say something, Sean. What was the? Oh well, just in terms of there are so many amazing works uh, spanning a whole number of decades and a number of styles, and it re- really seen the evolution of the artist. Hopefully that's communicated in the film. But in terms of tracking them down, as, as you touched on, Andrew, uh, it was pretty epic. And some of the some of the locations, uh, hopefully not final resting places, but current uh, domiciles for some of Keith's works are, well, you know, from the biggest the storage facilities in the biggest uh, galleries all across the country to quite literally his daughter's basement, which was once a shooting range, um, so some of the mo- some of the stranger storages of fine arts, uh, I think, uh, I can confidently say anyone involved in the film or probably anyone in the art world uh, has encountered. Yeah, I mean, there's that one shot of the the huge uh, storage place, which almost feels like it's out of Raiders of the the Lost Ark or something like that, where this this warehouse just full of plain coloured boxes, and I'm like, what kind of mysteries are in those boxes? It feels like every single box has a whole story to tell. And it's it's quite sad in a lot of ways that this these great art is hidden away or or tucked away in basements and things like that. So, was there that that feeling of um, bringing this to life via a documentary and, and shining a new light on it, not just uh, for Keith's history but also the art itself? Was that uh, did you feel that responsibility as uh, filmmakers to do that? Definitely. I mean, that was you know we we wanted people to see his work. And we want, as as I've said, we wanted people to see the the extent and the range of his work, uh, and and what was, of course, the really difficult thing was the the, the number of works that ended up not being shown. Um, we things that we really would have liked to include, uh, but just for whatever reason, just didn't didn't get to to show them because there were other things that that had a higher priority for us to show. And I guess there was a sort of continual juggle between the art and the artist because Luby, you know, he continues to paint and he continues to sort of be raging an argument with the art world um, in his head. And I guess one thing that was a real realisation to me is how, you know, painters spend a lot of time with themselves um, alone and um, can be thinking about arguments. So... Even when we had finished filming, Luby would still be saying, "You know, I, ah, oh, yeah, I'd really like to do another interview." <laughs> you know, so I was like, "No, no, no." You know, <laughs> we had so many hours; it was so, it was a really challenging edit. I guess part of that, mm. the interviews. 
Well, I can imagine. I think, yeah. Sorry, sorry, you go. Yep. I, I think just b- before it drops out of my mind, I, I think recently there's been a couple of things that in a way, uh, what do I want to say? If not exactly vindicate, but kind of prove what, uh, complement the, the sort of the thrust and motive of, of the film. Uh, one of them is there's been, a, I don't know if you're aware, but in, in Sydney there's been a big, uh, retrospective of Brett Whiteley illustrations at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, um, and where Whiteley is, uh, 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 is as you would expect, lauded as a master illustrator, which he absolutely was. Um, one of the things, one of the big statements in in in, the, in our film is that uh, Humphrey uh, McQueen, sorry, Humphrey McQueen makes a statement that he you know thinks Luby is a better illustrator than Whiteley. Um, and that kind of really, that statement and the fact of Whiteley's current exhibition really puts that reality into relief, um, because Keith has an amazing, amazing array, uh, of black and white illustrations, uh, particularly those collected in his history, history of Australia work, um, that just don't see the light of day. Um, and they really, you know, it's, it is absolutely no hyperbole to state, to, to overstate their quality. Um, and and yet they would they they would not even get a look in at this stage uh, by by a big institution. Uh, rather, they would be held in storage as they are. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, the Guardian uh, newspaper is doing a big series, a really confronting series on Aboriginal massacre sites. Um, and these were the types of things that back in the nineteen sixties, Keith was illustrating in his black and white history of Australia. So not only are they incredibly compelling works of art, but they're incredibly topical um, then, if more so now. And yet, because of the politics of the art world, those those kind of works really aren't on the map when it comes to major uh, exhibits. Yeah, I, I think that's then, one of the things I really appreciate about the film is it doesn't just touch on... Uh, the history of, of Keith, but it also touches on Australian politics and Australian history in a lot of ways, which comes out naturally through his artwork. So uh, I I really greatly appreciated that aspect because, uh, you know, I learned a lot more about certain things than uh, I expected to. And, uh, and that's what really made this uh, documentary shine a lot for me. So, um, you know, thank you in that regard. Um, how important was it to have that Australian politics side in into it as well, alongside that Australian history of, of what's in Keith's work? I don't, I don't think you can talk about Keith and, and and not have Australian politics and particularly Australian left politics be present in the story. Um, and and this is and and for me, it's an interesting thing that somewhere along the line, uh, Keith in, in, has put his foot wrong. We're not, and we haven't found where that point is. Uh, I don't, I can't say it was the, you know, I don't, the, the, the hanging offences exhibition or his falling out with with um, Ray Hughes or um, painting the wrong subjects or you know for the Archibald or 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 if it's an accretion of all of those different things. But somewhere along the lines, he put his his foot wrong. Maybe it was his annoying personality. Maybe it was his his relentless personality. Maybe it was something else. But in any case, somewhere along he's put his foot wrong, and and that's part of the political story as well. The 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 idea that um, 
you know, things falling in out of favour, um, you know, leftist people in politics falling, you know, go out of favour, come back into favour. Uh, so so he, you're right, in, a, in many ways, this is telling the story of Australia from a particular this perspective of a particular artist. Well, I find the relationship that he had with, um, you know, Bob Hawke in particular, obviously through uh, Max, is uh, is really interesting. And it's uh, for me, I, like I, I was born in the eighties, so I came in at the the end of uh, the, of Hawke's era. So getting a glimpse into what life was like at that period of time was really fascinating for me, and and helped uh, illustrate what Australia was like at that period of time. And I think that's what the value of art is is certainly about is um you know it's documenting his documenting history but it's doing it from somebody's perspective and yeah, that's why i've appreciated uh, through this documentary is uh you know seeing how varied keith's work is um so in that regard i'm, I'm curious about you know how you went about plotting how you're going to to detail this narrative did you before you started filming did you have a, a, a rough idea of where you wanted this particular narrative to go or did you let it fall as the, the interviews came along and uh, created that way I think it's better to say it was created in the in the edit you know a lot of work was done by by um, uh, Nick the other director in in collecting this fantastic uh, material uh, in in the studio where where Keith had spent many years painting uh, Keith painting currently and then of course all of the interviews uh, and and really quite beautiful shooting of, of some of the big paintings that Keith has done but in order to, to tell the story uh, we waded through all of those many 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 hours of interviews and and then and it's sort of almost sculptural in a way. You start chipping away at things and, and you get, it's like clay. You chip away, you take something away, you realise you missed it, so you put it back in again. Uh, and then you have a look at the hole and go, oh my gosh, it's missing an ear, it needs, you know, and, and so on. And uh, and so that was the process over um, a relatively short period of time because of the resources that we, we, we allowed ourselves um, we chipped away at it in the edit suite to, to create the narrative that, that you see now. Though it's fair to say there was a detailed script written before the the edit got yeah, fully right. going. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, after the interview, after all the interviews, so most of the footage was filmed. Then a, a tight script was was written. Yeah, that's, yeah that's mainly right. by him. Yeah, who then directed the edit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it works out very well. I, I'm curious as well how you went about, because there's some... <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for people because I, I found it quite, um, uh, you know, both darkly comedic but also very shocking when uh, somebody near the end of the, the, the film walks out of an interview. Um, but I'm curious about how you deal with that as, as filmmakers and also how you got the people who had a contentious relationship with Keith uh, to sit down and do an interview, um, you know, for a documentary about him. How, uh, how'd you go about that? How'd you sell that idea to them? There are so many enemies Keith, you know, <laughs> Keith has. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a long list. And uh, I have to say that we weren't universally um, successful in getting those people on board. Um, but the ones that we got, 
what we what we really felt that they contributed was you know this is this is we're, we're not making a film about Saint Keith. Uh, this is this is a film about a, a bloke who's very very rough around the edges, and um, every everybody's quite happy to talk about that. Um, and so and to be clear, that was the the last one was Evan Hughes, the son of the late Ray Hughes, um, and that was an interesting shoot whereby Ray um, of Ray Hughes Art Gallery refused to do the interview, but his son did, and his son thought that Ray, the elder, the enemy of Keith, the former art dealer, exclusive art dealer of Keith, was going to be out and have no problem, but then he came home earlier than expected, found out the interview was going, and started yelling um, in the background, and uh, that precipitated the moment you see on screen where... <laughs> uh, yeah. The interview, the kibosh is firmly placed by the the glowering ray off camera. Yeah, because there's that line where he mentions that you know obviously clearance has already been signed and stuff like that. So I, I yeah. assume that it was kind of like you know, well, this is perfect footage then, and it kind of adds it a, a great full stop to this particular point um, that you know it's, this fire is still raging and this 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 anger is still there it's it was uh it was shocking to say the least i was i, I was astounded i was like i did not expect that to happen oh <laughs> uh, we got some great so when i did a lot of the initial reach outs to people for interview and some of the the fire and brimstone that came back in email form uh is quite remarkable for some from some very famous Australian art names, um, who, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> he's definitely, he's made some friends and he's definitely made some enemies. Yeah, see, that, that's what fascinates me as well, is that there's like this whole underworld that, that is, you know, just teeming in the, the art world where, you know, people go along to galleries, they see a painting, they appreciate the painting, and then they move on. But they don't realize that there's this whole life that is that is flowing behind it. And I, that's what I found absolutely fascinating, that, you know, this, this whole culture exists, and a lot of people in Australia are probably unaware of it. Um, so there's no real question, but I just find that really fascinating and, and really enlightening uh, for, for me as somebody who appreciates this kind of thing. And I hope that a lot more people also appreciate it as well and, and head along to their local art gallery and check it out and then wonder what did this artist do to upset other people or is you know this particular person well liked because there's a few of their paintings in this gallery. Uh, it conjures all these ideas in my mind now, <laughs> which is fascinating. There's a thing about Keith as well. You know, he, he's, he's, he's painting for the Archibald. He, he wants to be involved in the Archibald. But he's so incredibly critical of it, and that's, yeah. and that's and that's sort of symptomatic of his relationship with the art world as well. He 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 loves the art world. He wants to be involved in it. He wants to be involved in the dialogues that he describes, painter to painter, and, and so on. But uh, at the same time, he keeps running away to places to escape from the art world. So, so that in itself in itself is a paradox of of, of Keith. Yeah, I can understand that though, in the sense that you want validation, but you also despise the thing that you want validation from like it's a that's a it sounds like a really major uh conundrum but it's a relatable thing in in a lot of ways um so i can understand that drive and i think that we get a good idea of that from uh from keith in the film um has keith watched the the final product and and uh what his comments were about it as well yes he has watched it 
Um, and as I mentioned, he, he did want a further interview. It just reminded him, you know, that he'd still like to say something more. So, um, yeah, so I think that's about all I can say. Yeah, I can say definitely because I got a frantic late-night call from his partner saying their Vimeo link wasn't working and it was like, have you tried refreshing the page? And then, oh, okay, thank yeah. you. But that, that was after they had yeah. already, you know, yeah. watched it some months before. So, um, but I, um, I guess also just a little bit further on the art world, both um, John McDonald and Humphrey McQueen in the in the film say a couple of interesting things I think that gives us a little bit of insight into that art world and one is John MacDonald saying look they're basically very conservative and the other is Humphrey saying you know effectively that Luby would be a loose cannon you know like if he won the Archibald today and there's the whole party and what have you no one would know you know what he was going to do you know they could whereas you know everyone it if we take John McDonald's comment, it's a conservative world. Everyone wants it to look all great and groovy and happy and progressive and they're arty types, so they, you know, they must be a bit bohemian. But the truth may be something else indeed. In that regard, like, how is, uh, how is the, the, you know, art world changed in a lot of ways uh, since the 70s and 80s? You know, as you're saying, it's... it's can be a bit quite conservative there um but is the prestige of the art world and the the money associated with it is that what makes it very conservative or is it just because the people who are attending these events are the ones that have the money to be able to buy the paintings or um you know is there there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between uh the the people who make the art who sometimes are you know the struggling artist motif i guess um and the people who actually attend these events and and buy the art um is that a legitimate thing or is it just something that uh, you know is is uh, a fictionalized version of of the art world i was just going to say that i think that the, the the art world as keith used to know it when he when he started in the 40s at the national art school is you know and compared to now it's unrecognizable they they, they are they are, they are galaxies away from each other in terms of the of the distance and of course you you don't have now the 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 art galleries you know the private galleries and the the selling rooms and things like that 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 you used to have they've they've gone they've gone that just don't exist there's no way to make make money out of out of in the same way that they used to be um so i think that that's one that's one thing about it but also, you know, Julie Ewington says, uh, as she says, the, the, the world that, that Keith raged against as a youngster doesn't, probably doesn't exist anymore. So, so he's, you know, is, he, is, he, is it actually worth his rage anymore at, at all anyway? Would be, the, would, be mm. my, would be my take on it. That's a good question, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that, yeah. So... Obviously, this is uh, the, uh, the this particular interview is uh, being done for the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. But um, I, I can imagine that this film is probably going to be hitting a lot of different places and festivals around Australia uh, coming up because it's a great film. Um, what's that particular process like for you guys as filmmakers to finally get this out in front of people? I think that the the 
it's a it, it's fantastic that it's being screened at the at the um, uh, the documentary film festival, and and that will be its world premiere. So that's a that's a really good thing, and we're very very proud to be associated with that. Um, this is a film that's been made with um, a very small budget by a group of people who who contributed their time and a little bit of money and, and all those sorts of things. So we don't have a huge marketing uh, budget. We don't have the we don't have a distributor, uh, and we don't have. Uh, so what we're doing is we're going to make sure that the the film gets screened, um, as you say, in as many places as we can around the country. Hopefully, it will get into a few more festivals. Uh, but uh, we're we're looking forward to seeing it with audiences wherever we can. Mm. And galleries are our, uh, I guess, our initial priority. Um, and those, generally speaking, those galleries that we approach that do have Luby um, in stock, <laughs> so to speak, um, uh, yeah, are, are really enthusiastic about screening it. So actually, as we speak, we're putting together, basically working our way up the East Coast um, uh, through major galleries and like for screenings. Um, as well as a bit in Tasmania. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched quite a fair few of the films that are, are, be, are shown there, and there's a lot of great films. There's always great films at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, but this year is some really, really good ones. And, you know, I'd have to say, uh, not just saying this because I'm talking to you guys, but uh, this is certainly one of... Your documentary is one of the best ones I've seen this year, so uh, I really, uh, really enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was fantastic. I've watched it twice already because um, the first time I was a bit like, uh, you know, showing my ignorance, I was unaware of who Keith Luby was, and so I, I put it on and then watched it, and I was like wow this is really fascinating then I watched it again just um, in preparation for the interview and I was like yeah this is this is really really solid stuff it's very entertaining and it's very engaging and it's deep as well it's really interesting so um, yeah I, I liked it a lot to say the least <laughs> That's very nice of you to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on the phone to you guys. So it's, you know, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> yeah. Um, in that regard as well, because uh, I've taken up a heap of your time and I really appreciate it. Is there anything that you want people to know about this film before heading in, before they head in to go and see it? Um, and like, what's the kind of one thing that you want people to to take with them? Uh, you know, as they etch this onto the list of films that they must watch. Mm. <laughs> That's really good. We should have prepared a pithy line. Um, maybe we can all just have a quick stab. I guess for and, and sorry, it's Sean here. Um, I I guess for me, it's really to get a taste of a great Australian artist who, in getting a in getting a taste of his work, as you said before, Andrew, you get such a deep insight into uh, into the recent history of the country. Yeah. Well, for me, the the, the the thing about the film has always been uh, that what, a, what an artist gives up in order to be an artist. And I think you get a little insight into that. You know, I mean, it's not a deep insight, but you do get a sense of, of how much uh, a person has to give up to be an artist in, in the world. And I think, that that's, I think that's worth seeing the film for. And I suppose my dream, this is maybe not directly answering your question, Andrew, but my dream would be that people would walk out of the um, the documentary film festival and say, well, why doesn't the NGV, you know, the National Gallery of Victoria, why don't they have a retrospective on Luby? We've never seen his works. 
Well, definitely. Because yeah. they do they are much more so than um, the New South Wales Gallery. They do actually have um, regular retrospectives of Australian artists. So that would be that yeah. would be the dream. Yeah, I I would certainly uh, you know I would appreciate having that uh, out there as well. You know, it'd be it'd be great to see a, a gallery of, of of his work and being celebrated in that way. And in a lot of ways, I think what is interesting about your documentary too is that there's there's been a few Australian documentaries recently that have looked at Australian artists. Um, have you seen the Listers? is is great, and then also uh, Whiteley as well, which is is really good too. So these, you know your films being added to like the catalogue of celebrating Australian artists in a lot of ways. And I think that's really valuable in so many ways because it's not just a celebration about an artist, but it's, you know, it's a, a document about what's going on in Australian history. And that is, that is extremely valuable. I think, I think, um, you know, as we move into this digital age and stuff like that, well, we're knee deep in it now. Um, you know, I think that people become, unaware or or lose the the history of australia so it's through documentaries like this that we can hold on to it and i think that's fantastic and and needs to be celebrated so thank you uh, you know somebody who likes australia a lot um uh, you know (laughs) it's it's great to see this kind of uh, document out there it's in this film out there so i appreciate it a lot Thanks again for listening to this episode, guys. I really appreciate it. And I would really appreciate it even more if you uh, shared this episode around and got people interested in not just uh, listening to episodes of this show, which is always nice, but most importantly, interested in checking out the films at this year's Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. The website, again, is mdff.org.au. And the interview that you've just heard is for the film Luby, L-O-O-B-Y, based on the Australian painter Keith Luby. Again, that film is showing at July 27th at 2pm at Cinema Nova. It's going to be the world premiere, so, you know, it's pretty special to head along to a world premiere. You don't get to do that every day. And not only that, but doing it for a great film such as this. Highly recommend seeing it. Hey, listen to other episodes of this show over on the website, thecurb.com.au. Follow us on Facebook, thecurb.au on both Facebook and on Twitter. And if you want to go the extra step, you can always head over to patreon.com forward slash thecurb.au and throw a little bit of support behind the website. It helps uh, continue doing these kinds of things and getting the, uh, the story out about Australian film. Once again, thanks guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Head along to those websites, check out Luby, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Curb. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzcastNetwork.com for details. Let Safeway help you unleash your globe with your favorite personal care products. Right now at Safeway, get great deals on all your favorite personal care products. Like Head & Shoulders Base Shampoo, Crest 3D Whitening Toothpaste, Listerine Antiseptic Mouthwash, Sensodyne Sensitivity Fresh Toothpaste, Degree Women Antiperspirant Deodorant, or Soft Soap Liquid Hand Soap. 
visit Safeway.com or head into your local Safeway store for more deals and specific details. 